Hey everybody, here with uh, Nehemiah Feliciano again on Exploring Storytelling. Welcome back to the podcast. If you've been listening consistently, if you haven't been, welcome back to the podcast. Um, so, to, this week has been crazy with all the coronavirus stuff and social distancing and all that stuff. Anyway, um, I hope that you enjoyed this episode while you're in quarantine and... Um, yeah, today we're talking about genre. By the way, uh, the cool thing about social distancing is you have more time to listen to podcasts. So enjoy this episode. <laughs> the study of uh, genre as a whole is a really interesting topic to me. And in fiction, there are so many different genres, uh, fantasy, sci-fi, romance, uh, drama, adventure, action, comedy, uh, historical fiction. There's so many different types of genres. I can't even name them all. Uh, a combination of them, th- just so many different creative types of stories. Um, so something that got me thinking, though, is why authors and writers pick to write in certain genres and the genres they choose to write in. Is it just that they find those genres interesting and compelling to write in? Or is there a stronger reason why they pick to write in certain genres? So I was doing my research, and as I was just thinking over it myself, I think there are compelling answers to both questions. Uh, And the first thing that comes to my mind is that certain genres are able to better utilize the themes or moral argument that the writers and authors are trying to communicate. Uh, Let's look at the anatomy of story and some examples of moral arguments given by John Truby uh, to show what I mean. Uh, Number one, good versus bad. In this uh, quote by John Truby from The Anatomy of Story, in this lowest variation of moral argument, the hero remains good and the opponent bad throughout. This approach is especially common in myth stories, action stories, and melodramas, which are simple moral tales with easily recognizable characters. The sequence goes like this. The hero has psychological weaknesses, but is essentially good. His opponent is morally flawed and may even be evil, inherently immoral. In the competition for the goal, the hero makes mistakes, but does not act immorally. The opponent, on the other hand, executes a number of immoral actions. The hero wins the goal simply because he is good. In effect, the two sides of the moral ledger are added up, and the good hero wins the game of life. Examples of good versus bad moral argument. Uh, The Matrix, Star Wars, Forrest Gump, The Terminator, Last of the Mohicans, The Wizard of Oz, etc. Much more that he goes on to list. I would even add uh, one such as The Lord of the Rings, um, which is a good example of good versus evil. Even Knives Out, which is kind of good versus... Has a lot of good versus evil in it, like virtue versus vice, but... Um, it mixes another form of moral argument that we'll get to later. Um, so right off the bat, notice the types of stories Truby lists here. Myth, action, uh, and melodramas. These stories are the ones that typically, not always, but typically deal with good versus bad. Uh, what's so interesting to me about this is that um, usually uh the things such as like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings are big scale conflicts that mirror the conflict within a person. 
So like good versus bad in Star Wars and Lord of the Rings mirrors the conflict of good versus evil within ourselves. And these are usually um, fantasy and science fiction have a lot of opportunities for big scale battles. Um, and it's a nice reflection of the internal conflict within the characters. So this is just for good versus bad, which is one simple theme or moral argument, like Truby calls it. Uh, we have, you know, fantasy, sci-fi, um, action, and melodrama. I would say like a melodrama like Rocky IV, basically Rocky versus the Russians or Soviet Union, which is pretty, pretty um, like a, a good example of good versus bad. But here we have uh, films and, and genres that are have a lot of action in them that takes place. There are a lot of plot and plot points in these types of stories, which is interesting to me. Um, the next one he goes on to list is tragedy. And uh, tra uh, here's a quote from his book on tragedy. Tragedy takes the basic strategy of moral argument and twists it at the end points. You give the hero a fatal character flaw at the beginning and a self-revelation that comes too late near the end. The sequence works like this. The community is in trouble. The hero has great potential, but also a great flaw. The hero enters into deep conflict with a powerful or capable opponent. The hero is obsessed with winning and will perform a number of questionable or immoral acts to do so. The conflict and competition highlight the hero's flaws and show him getting worse. The hero gains a self-revelation, but it comes too late to avoid destruction. And so examples he cites here are uh, ones such as Hamlet, Wuthering Heights, um, The Bridge on the River, American Beauty, and Citizen Kane. Also Othello. Othello, sorry, which are a couple that he cites, which are more dramas and romances. Uh, even though he doesn't mention this, I think another one which is interesting is uh, episodes one through three of Star Wars. I would categorize as a tragedy, story of tragedy um, that kind of fits with, with that. But there we also have several different genres like dramas, romances, and even sci-fi with Star Wars episodes one through three. So it's interesting that uh, he's listing typical genres that tackle that theme, but there's also ones outside the box, which I think are really interesting and uh, intriguing to me. So good versus bad usually has a plot heavy uh, genre like science fiction, fantasy, or an action story, um, or even a melodrama, where tragedy has more slow burning and um, character driven uh, genres like romance and um, drama. So those are just interesting, uh, interesting things. How typically certain themes are tackled by certain genres, which got me thinking that maybe certain genres are better, better suited, or certain genres are able to better utilize the themes or moral argument that the writers and authors are trying to communicate. Like I said before, um, but let's look into this a little more to see how how right that actually is. So the next one on this list is satire and irony. Um, so here's the insert from the book on satire and irony. Satire and irony are not the same, but they commonly go together. Satire is the comedy of beliefs, especially those on which an entire society is based. Irony is a form of story logic in which a character gets the opposite of what he wants and takes action to get it. 
When it's used over an entire story and not just for a moment, irony is a grand pattern that connects all actions in the story and expresses a philosophy of how the world works. Irony also has a bemused tone that encourages the audience to laugh at the relative incompetence of the characters. In the satiric ironic form, you make the moral argument by constantly setting up a contrast between a character who thinks he is being moral, supporting the beliefs of the society, and the effects of those actions and beliefs which are decidedly immoral. The main steps of the satiric ironic argument go like this. The hero lives within a clearly defined social system. Typically, at least one character explains in part or in whole the values on which the system is based. The hero believes strongly in the system and is determined to rise to the top. He decides to pursue a goal having to do with ambition or romance. An opponent who also believes strongly in the system and its values goes after the same goal. As the characters compete for the goal, their beliefs lead them to take silly and destructive actions. The argument of action in the middle of the story comes from a sequence of juxtapositions between characters who insist they are acting morally, expressing the highest ideals of the society and the, and the disastrous results. In the battle, the pretentiousness and hypocrisy on both sides is exposed. The hero has a self-revelation that usually involves questioning the value of the system's beliefs. The hero, or a second character, often undercuts the self-revelation, showing that the self-revelation hasn't really been learned. The hero takes moral action that is right personally, but usually has no effect on the foolishness or destructiveness of the system. There is a marriage or friendship or love suggesting that the couple will form a better micro uh, microcosm of their own, but have little effect on the larger society. So Truby states... Um, a couple examples like Pride and Prejudice, Emma, and uh, and the Prince and the Pauper. As um, he states quite a bit, actually, for this one, but I'm not going to list all of them because they're a lot. Uh, Pride and Prejudice, which is a great book, by the way. If you haven't read it, go read it. Um, Pride and Prejudice, I could just tell, is a great example of this, and it's a romance, um, which is which it's a very funny book actually if you haven't read it and think it's just like a sappy romance it's not it's very funny um and it exposes all this the stupid um and silly ironies of the characters and their beliefs great book um and emma is another one by jane austen which is kind of a romance but it's more of a comedy and um haven't read the whole thing but it is I've heard it's very good, so I've got to check that out one day. But um, here in this, you and I would even say another example is Gulliver's Travels, uh, which is a fantasy adventure. So here we have in, um, but in in um, satire and irony, we usually have romance and comedy as the one as the genres that are explored with this theme. So that's interesting. Certain themes and certain genres are explored together. And uh, I just find that really interesting. And it might give us the answer to what we're trying to discover, which is, is there a certain correlation between genre and theme? And I'd say, yes, there is. Now, I also think that certain themes can be explored throughout several different genres. And we could already tell from the example stated in the book that they absolutely can, because there have been several different genres listed uh, even by Truby himself, that are different and similar. So all sorts of different types of genres. However, 
not all genres should be chosen for a story. And let me explain that. I'm going to use an example of two wildly different films that deal with similar, not absolutely identical, but really similar themes. Finding Nemo and A Quiet Place. Now, I know I know what you're thinking, and yes, externally, these films cannot be more different. One is an intense horror thriller film, and the other is a fun family adventure film. So, completely different. How could they have anything in common? I don't know. Am I just... Am I just making stuff up and and being silly? Probably. But I actually think I'm on to something here. These films have a key aspect in common. The subject matter of their themes, which has to do with parenthood. Specifically, the promise of parenthood. Um, The promise that you'll never let anything happen to your kids and that you'll always keep them safe. I'm comparing these two films to show you that certain themes or moral arguments can be utilized by several different genres, and we've kind of already seen that with um, with what Truby has set up in, in the anatomy of story that I've read from, but like these genres can be wildly different, and I just wanted to showcase that. Sometimes several different storytellers uh, write about the same themes in their stories. Uh, The reason the same themes have the opportunity to feel fresh and new has to do with the storyteller. Because you think, oh man, this theme has been explored several times in movies and books. Why is it being explored again? It's going to be the same old thing, all the same tropes, yada, yada, yada. But it's not always the case. And that has to do with the storyteller. Each storyteller has different personal reasons for writing a certain theme. It could be their own life experiences or the life experiences of a loved one or something they deeply believe in. Uh, Different experiences make for different stories, no matter how similar the themes are. Uh, This combined with the different genres available can make an overexploited, overexplored theme feel new and fresh. Uh, However, as I stated earlier, not all moral arguments should be used by just any genre. Uh, A Quiet Place and Finding Nemo both work uh, because of the types of antagonists and obstacles they utilize in the story. The ocean is a vast place with many different creatures, some dangerous and some friendly. Uh, Finding Nemo uses the different creatures as stand-ins for the variety of different people you'll meet in life. Marlon learns to let go after meeting people who uh, have done so and and have benefited from doing that. He has to let Nemo find his place in the world. And Nemo understands and appreciates his dad's efforts to protect him after meeting Gil and how Gil puts him at harm in in certain um, situations. They both come to a better understanding of each other and ultimately uh, discover the truth of the story. In A Quiet Place, the death angels are faceless monsters who hunt by sound. These represent pretty much any dangers that face a family in general and the relationship between parent and child. Uh, The dangers external and internal a child faces and the truth that parents cannot protect their children forever. Uh, These two films have so much in common, but are entirely different experiences because of the storytellers and because of, again, the genre and how they're utilizing the themes. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you enjoyed it, just let me know. You could email me exploringstorytelling at gmail.com or you could hit me up on Twitter at writenehemiah. Again, uh, 
If you enjoyed this episode and you want to show support for the podcast, I'd highly, highly appreciate it if you left a full written uh, review and rating on iTunes or Google Podcasts so that I could grow in listeners. It greatly benefit the podcast and the people who listen to it. So I'd highly, highly appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I hope to see you next week. In the meantime, keep exploring storytelling.